Well, if you got your message notes, I want to encourage you to pull those out. This is the all-in series that we're in the middle of. And what would it look like this year in 2024 if you went all in? If you didn't hold anything back, but you went absolutely all in to everything Jesus has for you, what could your marriage look like? What could your uh, parenting look like? What, what would the, the, the emotional health of your life look like if you truly went all in? And so today, what I want to do is give you the fine print. How many of you ever gotten in trouble because you didn't read the fine print and you wound up in a situation you couldn't get out of because you did not read the fine print? I, I hate fine print. I mean, I just, I do. Like, I don't like fine print. I don't like to read fine print. I want to give you the fine print today of this entire series because it is critical you understand the fine. If we're going to invite you to go all in, then you need to know what you're going all in towards. You need to know what this all in life is all about. Jesus said in Matthew 13, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. And when you find that treasure, the the guy that found it sold everything he had joyfully because that treasure was worth far more, it was far more valuable than everything else that he had. So there there, there is an all-in way to approach God. And then there is another way to approach God. And you can go all-in either way. One way is like a treasure. One way is very difficult, very hard. So the title of the, the message today is The Two Approaches to God. There are two ways you can live out your Christian faith. There are two ways you can approach God. There are two ways that you you can build the foundation of uh, your Christianity. One way is like a treasure in a field that is beautiful, that is incredible, that you'd be willing to, to sell everything you have for joyfully because it's so incredible. The other way is very hard. It's very difficult. Jesus said, carry my yoke, my burden. It's light and easy. Because if you do it the other way, it's very difficult. And this is the theme you see all throughout Scripture, the two different approaches to God. So I'm going to start. Uh, we're going to go through three, three of them. There's many more than three, but I'm going to just take you through three of them today to kind of illustrate the two different ways you can approach God. And then we're going to leave you with the choice at the end of which way do you want to build the foundation of your faith. The first one in your notes, we call it the two trees. It's one of the first stories of the Bible. Now, If you've ever been through our freedom course, the whole freedom is built off of this concept of the two trees. And if this resonates with you at all, then I would highly encourage freedom being the next small group you go through in our church. The two trees, Genesis chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man that he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye. And good for food. In the middle of the garden, there was the tree of life. Here's the two trees. There's the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so there's this choice. You've got these two trees that you can eat out of. These two trees that represent your approach to God, that represent your faith, that represent your Christian journey. In verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. You see, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is a picture of religion. Tell me what is good, and then tell me what is evil so I can live by a scorecard to make sure that I'm earning it, to make sure I'm doing what God has called me to do. The tree of life, 
Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. Very, very different. God says, eat as much as you want out of the tree of life. But when it comes to the knowledge of good and evil, when it comes to trying to be a very, very good person and trying not to do evil, don't eat out of that tree because when you eat out of that tree, <coughs> you'll die. Genesis 3, verse 1, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. And this is how tricky Satan is. You will not surely die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made covering for themselves. You see, one tree is a picture of religion. Give me the rules. Give me the command. Give me, give me all the things that I have to obey. Show me what good is. Show me what evil is so that I know how I'm doing. I want to live by a scorecard. I want to know that I deserve it. I want to know that I'm doing what I need to do. The other tree is life. God says the tree of life. I want you to, to feed off of the tree of life. So there's two approaches to God. You can eat out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is religion, or you can eat out of the tree of life, which is what Jesus offers. Let's look at the two covenants now. That's the two trees, the two covenants. Exodus chapter 20, we have the old covenant of the Old Testament. Look at this, thou shalt have no other gods before me. When you read the old covenant, you've got to read it in King James, because it's just that, that, that harsh thou shalt not. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. The old covenant is hard. It's all rules. Thou shalt not do this, and thou shalt not do this. And it's all about you understanding the knowledge of good and evil and making sure you do what is good and making sure you stay away from what is evil. And that's the old covenant. The problem with the old covenant is none of us will ever be good enough for God. Even on our best day, we're never going to be good enough. So the old covenant, we cannot save ourselves through the old covenant. So let's look at the new covenant, Hebrews chapter 8. Look at the difference of this. So the old covenant was all about you. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Look at the new covenant, Hebrews 8 verse 7. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, so if the first covenant could save you, if the first covenant could do it, then no place, there would have been no place for another one to be sought after. But the first covenant, you couldn't save yourself by being a good enough person. You couldn't save yourself by following the rules well enough. So God found fault with the people and said, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors. When I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant 
I will establish with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their mind. Now look at the difference. You see, the old covenant is thou shalt not. It's all about you. The new covenant, God says, I will, I will, I will. It's radically different than thou shalt not. God says, I will put my law in their mind and write them on their heart, meaning it's going to become your natural desire. It's not something you have to do. It becomes the desire of your heart. He says, I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest for I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete and what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. So you got these two approaches to God. You've got two trees. You can eat out of the tree of life, or you can eat out of the knowledge of good and evil. You can approach God through the old covenant. You can approach God through the new covenant. Let me show you this now in the New Testament in the life of the two disciples. We have two disciples that illustrate this. One disciple, obvious that he eats out of the tree of life. The other disciple, it's obvious that he's eating out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So let's first look at Peter, Peter's approach, Peter's identity, Peter's foundation to his faith, to, to everything he is in his, his relationship with God. In Matthew 26, here's what Peter says. Peter replied, even if everyone falls away on account of you, I never will, Peter declared. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Peter was the one that said, Jesus, I'll fight for you. I'll die for you. I'll never abandon you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. If I've got to go to the end, I'll go to the end. And so Peter's entire approach to Jesus, his approach to his faith, his, his foundation for who he is is three simple words. I love Jesus. That was his approach. I love Jesus. Jesus, I love you more than everybody else. I'll die for you, Jesus. I'll fight for you, Jesus. Now, that sounds like the right approach, doesn't it? Isn't that the way we're supposed to live our life? Aren't we supposed to love Jesus? As a result, Peter was weak. He was insecure. He betrayed Christ. He failed. You see, our love is human. Our love will fall short. Our love will miss the mark. If you try to build it on how much you can do for God, you're never going to do enough. Look at John's approach. John was different. I used to think that John was the favorite. Like Jesus loved him all, more than all the other disciples because five times the Bible says disciple whom Jesus loved. John 13, 23, one of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, talking about John. So I used to think John was the favorite. Jesus loved John more than all the others. Like, like John somehow was more special to Jesus until I discovered who wrote it. Do you realize you only find that in the book of John? <laughs> Matthew never wrote that. Mark never wrote it. It's only in the book of John. John literally writes about himself. I am the disciple that Jesus loved. You see, Peter's approach was, I love Jesus. That was his foundation. 
That, that was how he built his life. John's approach was different. It was three simple words. John's approach was, Jesus loves me. I think the old children's song had it right. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. See, you can approach him through, I love Jesus, or you can approach him through, Jesus loves me. When you approach him through, I love Jesus, you're never going to feel complete. You're always going to feel insecure. You're never going to feel like you're doing enough because on our best day, we could never do enough truly for him. But if we rest in his love for us, you see, John, think about it. He was the only disciple at the foot of the cross when Jesus died. Everyone else abandoned him. Everyone else betrayed him. Everyone else was scared and ran for their life. John was there. Why? Because John's approach to Jesus was nothing about how much he loved Jesus. It was all about how much Jesus loved him. You see, John ate out of the right tree. In 1 John 4.10, I love this. He he gives us the key right here. He says, this is love. This is love. Here's the biblical definition of love. I love this. Not that we love God. Think about that for a moment. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. You see, the only way we can truly love God is to let Him love us. That's what 1 John 4.19 says. We love because He first loved us. We love our children. We love Jesus. We love our spouse because God first loved us. You see, there's two radically different approaches to Christianity. One is going to be hard. One is very religious. One is going to feel like a weight around your neck. One is all about the knowledge of good and evil, and one is life-giving. It fuels you. And so the connection here is the tree of knowledge of good and evil is the old covenant. And the old covenant is Peter's approach to God. And Peter's approach to God led him into insecurity, led him into failure, led him into betraying Christ. But the other alternative that we get to choose from is the tree of life. The tree of life is the new covenant. It was John's approach to God. It was the reason John was the only one at the foot of the cross when Jesus died. So as we invite you to go all in this year, I want you to understand what you're going all in towards. Because yes, you can go all in towards religion. You can go all in. We, we see people do it. It's just miserable. It's hard. It's painful. It's a weight around your neck. So here's the choice we all get in your notes. The choice is simple. You can do more to get to God. Do more. Work harder. Pray more. Read your Bible more. Do more. Or you can receive what has already been done. You see, Christianity is not about doing, it's about believing. It's about believing the truth of what Jesus has done. And when you believe the truth about what he's done, all of a sudden it propels the inside of you to live the life that you are called to live. Yes, we work hard as believers. Yes, we live the life doing what God has called us to do, but we don't do it to try to get to God, we do it because we already have God. 
We don't obey so that God will bless us. We obey because He's already blessed us. John chapter 5, 39 through 40, he says, You diligently study the Scriptures because you think by them you possess eternal life. These are the Scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So in other words, you think you can do more. Like you can learn all of this and do all of this and follow all these rules and try to obey all these commands. And somehow if you do all this stuff, you're going to get to me. He says, no, all of that is about me. Come to me and you will have life. How are you approaching God today? How are you approaching God? Here's, here's another choice that you get to make. You can live your life trying to earn God's approval, or you can realize that God's already crazy about you. Do you realize if God had a refrigerator in heaven, he'd have your picture on it? Like, he's crazy about you. He loves you. We work so hard to try to get his approval, and yet God already loves us. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Meaning on our worst day, Christ died for us. Not our best day. On the very worst day of our life, he loved us so much that his son, Jesus Christ, died for us. Not because we deserved it. We didn't deserve it. He died to make us worthy. It's powerful. You know, it reminds me of the story about two boys on a baseball team, two 15-year-old boys, and their dad is going to be at the game on Saturday. And so each of these boys desperately want to hit a home run for their father. And so all week long, they practice, and they train, and they work, and they, they play as hard as they can play because they, they, they so badly want to hit a home run because their dad is going to be in the stands that day. Now, the first boy wants to hit a home run because he's never heard his dad say, I love you. He's never heard his dad say, I'm proud of you. He's, he's never said, you know, heard anything really good from his dad. And so he believes that if somehow he hits a home run, that maybe, just maybe, my dad will like me. Maybe my dad will be proud of me. Maybe my dad will, will tell me that he loves me. And so he wants to hit a home run so bad because he's trying to earn his father's love. He's trying to earn his father's approval. The other boy works just as hard. He trains just as hard. He practices just as hard. He wants to hit a home run so badly for his father, but a radically different reason. You see, every day of his life, his dad's told him, I love you, son. I'm so proud of you. He knows if he strikes out every single at-bat, it's not going to change at all the way his father feels about him. You see, one of those boys' name is Peter. One of those boys' name is John. You see, we're going to work hard for God. But the question is, are you doing it to try to get something from God? Are you approaching God through religion thinking that if I can do enough, maybe God will like me? If I can do enough, maybe God will bless me. Maybe God will approve of me. Or are you doing it out of the realization that God's already crazy about you? That he loves you dearly. Like you don't have to do a thing for him. He already loves you. And then finally, the last choice that we get is you can obey 
out of duty, or you can obey out of delight. You can obey because you have to, or you can obey because you want to. That's why one of the things we say around here a lot is, at Coastline, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to read your Bible. You don't have to pray. You don't have to give. You don't have to serve. You don't have to, if you have to do it, there's something wrong with the way you're framing God, the way you're viewing God, the way you're looking at God. It's not something we have to do. It's something we get to do. I don't have to read my Bible. I get to read my Bible. I actually want to read my Bible every day. I enjoy it. It's not a duty in my life of something that I I have to obligate myself to do every day. It's a delight to get to know what does God have to say about me? What does God want me to know today? What, What does God want to download to my heart and my soul? I don't have to pray. I actually enjoy talking to God. You know, in light of everything that he's done for me, in light of who he is, I love spending time with God. It's not something that's a duty in my life. It's something that's become a delight. And the way you approach God is going to determine whether your faith is going to be a duty or your faith is going to be a delight. Are you going to God through the knowledge of good and evil or are you going to him through the tree of life? Are you living under a new covenant or an old covenant? Are you approaching God like Peter? I love Jesus. Look at how much I'm doing. Or are you approaching him like John? Jesus loves me. His love is perfect. My love love will fall short, but his love is perfect. And when you approach him the right way, everything in Scripture becomes life-giving. John 14, 15 is a verse that so many of us misunderstand because we don't understand how to live out of the tree of life. It says, if you love me, You'll obey what I command. Now, if you're eating out of the wrong tree, if you're living under the wrong covenant, if you're approaching things like Peter, you're going to look at that verse and say, well, I, I need to obey so that I can show God how much I love him. Like, I need, to do, I need to do all these things so that I can prove to God that I love him. Because if I loved him, I would obey. And so I, I, need, I need to do more. I need to obey more. I need to be a better person. But when you eat out of the tree of life, When you look at this verse through the new covenant, you begin to realize what Jesus is actually saying is, look, if you fall in love with me, you'll do what I want. When you're in love, you'll obey. I mean, think about it. When you first started dating your spouse, I mean, like like it could be in the middle of the Super Bowl and she could ask you to take out the trash and you would get up happily in the middle of the Super Bowl because you're so in love. Like, you're so in love. It's not even a, it's not a duty. It's a delight. Say, oh, absolutely. And then after a couple years of marriage, it's like in the middle of the Super Bowl, it's like, no, just wait till the game's over. When you're in love, it changes things. And so what Jesus is saying is, if you fall in love with me, and remember, we love him because he first loved us. When you fall in love with me, you'll naturally do it. 1 John 5, 3 says, this is love for God, to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. You see, when you approach it through the tree of life, it's different. When you live under the new covenant, it's different. When you follow the, the life of John, John rested in Jesus' love for him. He didn't rest in his love for Jesus. If you build your life on how much you love Jesus, 
you're never going to feel like you're good enough for God. You'll always feel like you need to do more. But if you begin to build your faith on how much Jesus loves you, you're going to feel secure. You're going to feel strong. You're going to have a foundation. And so when we invite you to go all in this year, I want you to look at the fine print. This is what God's offering you. He's offering you the tree of life. He's saying, come and eat out of the tree of life. He's offering you a new covenant where it's not thou shalt not and thou shalt not. It's I will put the desires in your heart. It'll become something you, you desire to do, not something you have to do. It's, a, it, it's not a duty anymore. It's a delight. You're not living your life trying to earn God's approval. You're, you're walking in the reality that he's already crazy about you. He loves you deeply. There's a power when you get this right. Now look, I know there are a lot of people who've made Christianity ugly and religious. They filtered their entire being through the knowledge of good and evil, and it's hurt a lot of people. But what I'm inviting you to be a part of today is not that. It's the gospel. It's the good news.